Well, it is a special day of worship here as we hear testimony to the images you just saw from Guatemala. You're going to hear about uh, what the Lord's doing there now through Carlos's family, through uh, his, the T.O.s that are many uh, uncles that he has there who are pastoring and doing amazing things for the Lord. And you're going to hear testimony about uh, what our team got to do there as well. But before we do that, let me just say how cool it is to be preaching through Acts this month. And then we had this mission report in the middle of our series on Acts. You know, Acts is a very missional book. It's probably the most missional book in the Bible. You know, all this month of July, for those visitors here, the Dunn pews here, we've been reading through the Bible uh, in 2017. And at this point in our calendar, I, I encourage you all to pick up a, a bookmark or a reading plan at our welcome centers in the, the south lobby or the north lobby. They're available there in both places. And all through this month of July, we've been reading through the Acts of the Apostles, the story, the true story of the Gospel, starting in Jerusalem and then going into all of Judea and then going north into Samaria and then into Syria and then across into Cappadocia and Galatia and all of Asia Minor. But it didn't stop there. It, the entire Mediterranean region, most of the known world at that time, that, that God had prepared the soil for through Alexander the Great in the 300 B.C.s. They all spoke Greek because of him. That the gospel spread like wildfire in North Africa, in Egypt, and in Cyrene in the east. It, it spread like wildfire all the way across the Aegean Sea when Paul had the Macedonian call to go into Macedonia, into Greece, what we now know as Greece. And the gospel spread from there all the way across into Rome and from Rome into all of Europe. And that's where we are today, right? It's amazing, the story of Acts. And from Europe, it went to Guatemala, right? You're going to hear that story in a minute. It's an amazing story of mission work, right? And Woodmont, like I said earlier, has a great history of missions. This is a very mission-minded congregation. I tell all my friends that are in ministry that Woodmont was doing international mission trips before it was cool. A long time ago, we've been taking mission trips. Do we have those pictures? Excellent. This is a group from Woodmont in the 70s, and I love it. Uh, you, you may not be able to see it really well, but do you recognize any faces there? Uh, the, the two guys on the, the far right, the amazing plaid pants. Oh, thanks, Andy. That's great. Oh, nice. Very nice. <laughs> Andy, he's incredible. Uh, the guy with the mustache is not Dewey Dunn. It is, in fact, Ed Fulcher. Zoom back out. Look at those pants. I, I wonder if he still has those pants. Man, we need to get those. <laughs> he's, uh, he's not here today. He's uh, on vacation. But, uh, man, that, i got to see if he has those pants. But I think Logan Rogers made the comment on Facebook that uh, apparently they've switched facial hair because the guy next to him, go back to the zoomed-in picture there, Maddie. Is, is, of course, Dr. Dunn, who's been to Guatemala several times. And, and I love Ed's jacket that has the, the, the Quetzal bird on it. How do you say it? Quetzal, I believe. Quetzal. Quetzal bird uh, that is the, like the official symbol of Guatemala, uh, this legendary bird. Is it extinct? I should know these things. It's not extinct. They're still around. You can see them today in Guatemala. I didn't know. But you look at this next picture. from uh, This was from our, our trip here in the exact same location behind the Baptist Theological Seminary of Guatemala, and that's Ed Fulcher again on the right with some of our, our other team members who went and painted on a Sunday afternoon there at the Baptist Theological Seminary of Guatemala where God continues to train up missionaries to do his work in Guatemala. 
So we're going to hear this, this witness. We're going to hear testimony, right? We're going to hear stories about what the Lord did in a place that still has much work to be done. But, but before we get to those testimonies, I want to briefly make sure that we all know what we're talking about when we talk about missions. What are we, what are we saying when we talk about missions? It seems like every church has a you know, missions program, right? A lot of churches, like I said, do mission trips now. And again, Woodmont's been doing that for a long, long time longer than any church I know of personally. Woodmont certainly has a great missions program. We have a, a missions committee with a budget of $76,000 every year that they are tasked with utilizing to further God's kingdom throughout the world and in our own neighborhood. And not to mention another budget of designated giving. We, we raise money for North American missions at Easter, right, through the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We gave over $10,000 to that this year. We gave over $50,000 to Lottie Moon International Mission Offering at Christmas and, and uh, over $10,000 to the CBF Global Mission Offering as well this year. So we give another $9,000 for the feeding tree here. So in total, we spent about $150,000, more than that, on missions giving this past year here at Woodmont Baptist Church. So what are we doing with that money? What's the point? What's the purpose of all that activity and funds well, let me first say that all missions stem from the mission of God, right? The, the missio dei. That is the mission that informs and instructs all other missions. Christians have always believed that we have a mission to join in the missio dei, that we have a mission that we are supposed to be a part of, to join God in what He is doing around the world. Look at Acts 1, 8, and 9. I think it'll be on the screens here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit... I put it in there, sorry. I surprised you, Andy. Took you by surprise. You will receive power. You know this verse. We've been reading it all month long. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in concentric... Oh, not concentric circles. Thank you, Marcy. Tangential circles. These are not concentric. Tangential circles. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, they were looking on, he was lifted up, and on a cloud, took him out of their sight. So the mission of God is to, to bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ, where we are in the region around us, and to the ends of the earth. But what does that look like? What does it, what does it mean to bear witness to the ends of the earth? Well, I think my, my favorite two passages of Scripture that, that really describe the Missio Dei are found in Ephesians 1 verses 9 and 10, and Colossians 1, 19 and 20. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10 says this, God has made known to us, He is making known to us the mystery of His will, of His plan, of His mission for the world, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, when the time was ripe, is what that means to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. When the time was, was full, when it was the right time exactly, God made known to us the mystery of what He's up to, the mystery of His will, His plan, which is what? It's to unite all things back unto Himself. Well, if He has to unite them, then that means they were lost. When were they lost? Genesis 3, right? The fall not of man, but the fall of creation when the entire cosmos was plunged into death and darkness and decay because of sin. We live in a broken world. 
Just read the newspaper, watch the news on TV, read about politics. We live in a broken world. But ever since that time, God has been on mission to redeem it all back unto himself. How is God doing in this? How, how is he accomplishing this work? Well, it's through the cross of Christ, of course, that he's doing this work. Colossians 1, 19-20, For in him, in Christ Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He was fully God, 100% God. And through Christ, to reconcile to God all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. How? By the blood of the cross. Through the cross, God has forged a way to make a broken world right. He has forged a way to make broken people right, to make us whole again, to make us atoned for at one, complete and holy and happy in His righteousness through the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of God, to bring back all that is broken, all that is lost, all that's messed up, all that bears the stain of sin back unto himself. This is why we do missions, to join with the mission of God around the world. And, and yes, a huge component of that is, is soul winning, right? Evangelism, we need to get back to that. I'm, I'm convicted personally, I need to be more proactive about sharing the gospel of Christ with lost people. But it, it's so much more than that too though. You know, the, the, the mission of God involves justice. It involves mercy. You're going to hear all three of those themes and what you hear today from these testimonies. Soul winning, justice, and mercy. The mission of God is to, to make things right. To restore what was broken. To redeem what was lost. To recreate what was once created perfect. To reconcile lost people in a lost world back. To reverse the curse of sin. And finally, to renew all things. The one who sits on the throne at the end of the story and says, Behold, I made all things new. So let's hear testimony now from the three different teams that served in three different areas of Guatemala City during our trip. Hello, I'm Elaine Bright, and I have the privilege to present the report from the construction team. And um, we had a team of about seven to ten from Woodmont, with a core of the team being experts in the design and construction field. And you can imagine the discussions involved when trying to make a decision on a construction project between three handymen, two architects, and a real estate developer. <laughs> it uh, led to several lively discussions, but we got the project done. Uh, there were two churches that this Woodmont mission trip would support and the construction team worked with the local church of Roca Field, and uh, we were given the task to build a pavilion. We didn't have a whole lot of information on what this would really entail other than that we have a concrete slab ready for us to build upon. So we got there, and <laughs> to uh, at least my surprise, this project was one and a half to two stories above the ground. So that meant that we had to push and pull a lot of the building materials up one and a half to two stories. So uh, we got a lot of exercise doing during this project. And um, when we got there, uh, other than finding it was uh, off the ground, it was also enclosed with concrete block on three sides and was open on uh, one side. So uh, on Saturday, 
We had about 10, that includes several of the youth, helping us uh, get the uh, roof framing up and then uh, scraping and painting some existing uh, guardrails that were there up the stairs and in front of the pavilion. So then uh, on Sunday, as Nathan mentioned, uh, some of the youth went to the Bible College and painted uh, some of the doors there at that uh, campus. Then we got back uh, to our local church on Monday and finished up getting the roof on. And uh, it was determined that this was a kind of a lightweight construction. As you can tell, there's uh, just a few uh, main structures. So one of our uh, lightest fellas from our team and one of the lightest fellas from the local group, we had from maybe one to four uh, people from the local church helping us out during the week. And uh, the rest of us were tasked with fetching and carrying and pushing and pulling the building materials up to the slab and then getting the roof up on the main structure. So um, I was also on that Monday tasked with going to get the paint for the uh, walls to be uh, finished out with primer and paint and Nathan Parker and I went to the building store to uh, get the materials. He was, he's the one that had the credit card and he was my <laughs> interpreter. And um, as we were leaving, I had a royal blue shirt on and uh, we were told to get the paint for the guardrails to match that shirt. And the structure had already been primed with red uh, terracotta color. So we got to the store and it was selected to have kind of an off-white paint, so subliminally we had a red, white, and blue paint color scheme going on. And uh, I think that kind of went over some people's head because later on in the week, the local pastor decided that he wanted some walls painted and he selected that it would be bright yellow and a gray color, so it was a very colorful project. Um, you'll see here in a minute some of the, the final uh, project, but uh, it would, from that picture you can tell that was fairly rough when he got there. Then, um, so the pastor decided, well, we were going to get through with this project pretty quickly in a couple of days, and he started to add uh, a wish list to what we would be doing there. So he, that's the pastor painting some of the uh, work there, and uh, he uh, decided that we would add uh, some electrical work, some lighting, and some power, and do the more painting, and uh, also provide some concrete to level out some areas that led to the entry of the pavilion and down on the ground. So we got that work done and on Wednesday night, the, the two congregations came together with, along with the mission team and had a Wednesday night service and a celebration of the lighting ceremony, as you can see from that picture, and dedication of the pavilion. And it was exciting to see some oohs and ahs from everybody, and immediately the children ran up the steps and started playing in the space that we had provided. And that meant that we had actually met our uh, mission because that was what this pavilion was to provide, is a space for the children to have, and youth to have their activities and be in a shelter. So we can see now that we have planted seeds for this community uh, for future generations. So personally, uh, I 
have done some mission work here in the U.S., doing a little some construction and other things. But it had been on my heart as an architect to actually go and do construction ministry through uh, some foreign mission work. So this has actually been uh, my first trip is uh, abroad, so this has started me on that path of uh, answering that call to, to do this type of work. So uh, one thing that I've learned is that don't procrastinate like I have. So if you have something on your heart uh, that says you should be doing something of mission, don't wait, go ahead and do it. And I want to thank uh, Woodmont for your financial support of these type missions and your prayer support because we really felt that during our preparation and while we were doing our work. So thank you very much. Um, I'm going to be talking about the VBS team that I went and served with um, at Guatemala. So we had a team of about 15 people and you can see we um, had a lot of youth in it and just a lot of people helping. So we went to a public school in Guatemala City, uh, elementary school, so it was first grade through about sixth grade and we went Monday through Wednesday in the week so we saw about 1,200 kids so it was a lot throughout the week every day seeing about 100 people like every hour and so it was a lot of work but we started off the day we would sing songs. We had a lot of people from our local church, Roca Fiel, help us. If you can see there in front, um, helping us dance motions. We just kind of followed along, but we were on the stage singing, dancing, and then we had a verse we would read. Um, we would have translators. It was in Spanish because most of us cannot speak Spanish. And then we had a Bible story where Trey would help lead it, and we would hold up signs and get the kids interacted. It was really cool to see that. We had a lot of translators, too, because that really helped us because we don't know Spanish. But um, so after Bible stories, we would, they would all be in here, then we would break up into groups and we had games, snacks and crafts and it was really cool. We played, that was a game called Pato Pato Gonzo, Duck Duck Goose. And it was really fun to play with the kids and love on them. And it was a really neat experience. Um, so we would have two groups in the morning of 100 kids each, so we'd see about 200 kids, and we would all go pack everything up from the gym, and then we would go and eat lunch at the church, Roca Field. They had provided lunch for us every day. They fed us, and it was so cool to see that. Um, they really just served us more than we could have served them, and um, seeing them do that was really eye-opening, too. And so after lunch, that's where we ate. We had a big, long table where we all ate, we ate together. They gave us gifts, and they just really loved on us, and that was pretty cool. So after that, we would pack everything back up and go back to, um, the, play, to the school to teach again, and there was a lot of difficulties with that because the school wasn't really like in our favor, so they would be like, oh, the gym is used for something else, so we'd have to go. We had to go in this little hallway in the... Um, in the school, so it was not prime ideal location, but it was like an open area where we were just kind of shouting. And, but it actually turned out better because people could walk by and see what we were doing and who they wouldn't have seen it before. So that was cool. Um, so it was special to me because it was my first mission trip ever and first time going out of the country. So that was pretty um, neat and it was cool to go with um, people that I became very close with in the youth group and 
and everyone in the church even. So I opened up in different ways, like dancing in front of the kids and like not really caring what you look like and just kind of um, outreaching to them. And it's like, it really opened my eyes to see how the kids reacted because these kids, like they don't have the best home life or might not get enough food. And it was really cool to see the, um, the joy they had on their faces when we came. And just seeing that was really cool because I don't know if I could be as joyful as them when, if I was in their situation. Um, we would have recess with the kids we, where basically we had a break and we would just go and um, we played jump rope, we played hand games that remind me when I was little, we didn't have our phones, we would just like go and play outside. And um, that was really fun because the kids loved it. The kids loved talking to us even though I can't really speak Spanish, so all I would say is I speak a little Spanish and that's all we had to say, but um, <laughs> it was really fun just like hugging the kids. The kids loved like to, like, to hug and take selfies. They loved the pictures and um, so that was really cool. Um, on the way home from Guatemala on the plane, I was sitting by this guy and he, we got to talking. He's from Romania and um, he was telling me, I told him why I was in Guatemala and what we were doing and he told me how lucky I was to be able to go there and how lucky the kids were and it didn't really um, I didn't really realize how just going to see the kids like how that would impact their lives so much because like to me it was just them like me going and like we we shared the Bible but just like um, talking with them and loving on them I didn't realize how much of an impact they made on their lives and he's like it would it's gonna impact their life forever they're gonna remember us um, for the rest of their lives and so I don't really realize that, but how big of an impact I made, and that was really cool to see that. Um, but yeah, it really showed me how I take advantage of my daily life, and just going out and seeing them was a really cool experience. Um, I also love the culture of Guatemala, just the just the loving and serving that they have, the roca feel of just them serving us every day. We like we came to serve them, but they really served us in many ways, and. So it was a really amazing experience, and I'm glad I got to share it with you guys. So thank you. Good morning. My name is Sarah Tarr. My husband and I have been members at Winmont since 2011, and I'm humbled to stand before you today and share about my experience serving on the medical team in Guatemala. Before I tell you about our time in Guatemala, I'd like to share how I became involved with this mission opportunity. When the missions committee first announced this trip, I felt God speaking to me. Like we've all done at one time or another, I questioned his voice, thinking that God could definitely not be calling me to do this right now. I had my excuses. I've never been on a mission trip. I have two small boys at home. This opportunity is not for me right now. Um, and my favorite God, I don't speak any Spanish. None. None. Zero. Um, yet he continued to speak louder and louder, and he even began using the words of others to get his message across. Slowly, I began trusting God's call more deeply, and I saw how he was working out the details of my participation in this trip. Just before I committed to serving, it was announced that we would be partnering with Macedonia Baptist Church in Guatemala, where one of Carlos Ruslan's uncles is the pastor. I have many fond memories of my time spent in Macedonia Baptist Church in Lithonia, Georgia, where I grew up as a child and became a member until I moved my membership here to Woodmont in 2011. For me, I was certain this was no coincidence, that this was yet another word from God. I was finally ready to acknowledge God's clear command 
I signed up to go to Guatemala, and I knew that I had to leave the rest up to God. I believed that he had called me and trusted that he would prepare and equip me for this trip. God assembled an amazing group of members from Woodmont and beyond to accomplish his work in Guatemala. Several of us were serving on our very first mission trip, and others among us were missionary experts. Our team's dedicated leaders worked tirelessly to arrange travel, housing, supplies, and our on-the-ground plan. As a team, we met, we prayed, we packed, and on Friday, May 26th, we boarded our, flout, our flight en route to Guatemala City. The welcome we received as we exited the airport was the first of so many outpourings of true Christian love and hospitality. We were greeted by members of our partner churches who were cheering, holding signs, and offering handshakes and hugs. We loaded our crates and our luggage onto our two buses, and as you can see in that first picture, we managed to find room to squeeze ourselves in, which was no small feat. Then the church members boarded our buses. They introduced themselves, and then they sang a beautiful song for us. It was a humbling welcome. Saturday morning, the medical team and the BBS team journeyed from the Arkansas Mission House to Macedonia to set up the clinic and to begin seeing our patients. This was our first experience with daytime Guatemala City traffic. I've tried to find the words to describe what a bus trip around the city is like, but it's nearly impossible to articulate just how few traffic signals there are, just how close the cars and the motorcycles get to other vehicles, and just how wild of a ride it was for us every day. If you'll go back one picture, you can perhaps see Lee Ellen and Heather demonstrating how scary our bus trips around the city were. We were again welcomed with such love as we entered Macedonia that Saturday morning. More handshakes, hugs, and kisses were exchanged. After unloading our supply crates, we transformed the sanctuary into a vitamin bagging, pill counting zone in preparation to stock our pharmacy shelves. As we worked, it was so apparent to me how God had equipped each member of our team with unique gifts and attributes that enabled us to work together to do the work that he had called us to. By Saturday afternoon, we had a plan for registering our patients, our pharmacy was stocked, Ms. Bobby had trained others on how to perform vision screenings, and our triage and exam rooms were set up. We were finally ready to begin seeing patients. Saturday afternoon and then Sunday following worship, we saw Macedonia members and their families. For the following three days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we saw members of the community, some who had come from as far as hours away. God enabled us to see a total of 400 patients in the eye clinic and 453 patients in the medical clinic throughout our trip. We met patients who were already believers, and we met some who prayed to receive Christ in the clinic. The work was exhausting, but as Dr. Dunn so proudly, profoundly reminded me, we may grow tired in the work, but never of the work. We saw patients of all ages and with various concerns. As you'll see pictured here, I will never forget the smiles on their faces. They shared their stories with us, sometimes stories of hurt, pain, and deep loss. With the assistance of my translator, I began to understand how difficult it was for many of them to obtain the medical care they needed. Many had complex medical problems, and a visit with one of our team doctors and a couple of months of medication sometimes seemed like such an insufficient way to help. There were times I felt inadequate and helpless. Yet, God used the corner of our small, poorly lit triage room that I shared with Jan Bennett to remind me of two important truths. First, I was reminded that no one on our team had the capability or the resources to resolve the medical problems of the patients we saw. God alone is the great physician. 
He had invited us to join him there in his work. We were there to show care for the patient's physical needs. We were there to share God's message, and we were there to pray for their physical and spiritual health. And feeling inadequate, I was only focusing on what our team could do, not what God was ready and able to do. I was also reminded that we didn't go to take God to Guatemala. He was already at work there. It was apparent in the details of his provision. It was evident in the outpouring of love we received from our partner churches, in the smiles of the people, and in the moments when patients prayed to accept Christ. God used this trip to show me how he is at work outside of Nashville, outside of Tennessee, and far beyond the borders of the United States. I'm so thankful that God invited me to join him in his work in Guatemala. I returned from Guatemala physically exhausted, but spiritually recharged and inspired. In the six weeks since our return, I've reflected so much on our time in Guatemala. It seems impossible to summarize so much of my experience, but two words have repeatedly come back to my mind. Those words are hospitality and provision. Throughout our trip, we were shown hospitality in simply unfathomable ways. From the welcome at the airport to the amazing meals that were prepared for us, the love of God was so evident in the smiles, the words, and the actions of everyone we met. The hospitality of our Guatemalan brothers and sisters was like that described in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8-10. through 10. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. God's provision was more real to me than ever in Guatemala. For me, it began before I ever said yes to his call to serve. He was arranging the details of my participation, he was equipping me, and he was assembling an amazing team of missionaries to serve alongside of me. In Guatemala, his provision was evident in the strength that he provided to sustain us each day. It was there in the many opportunities our team had to bond and grow in our faith. It was there in us having no issue getting our supplies into the country, in his protection of our team, and in the small details like Jan and I having just enough blood glucose strips to finish out the last day of clinic. It was an absolute privilege to serve as a member of the medical team pictured here and as a part of our entire team on this trip. I'm so grateful to my family for making my participation in this trip possible. And I wanna thank you, our Woodmont family, for making um, this trip possible through your countless prayers and your support. Thank you. Good morning, church family. I'm Ion. Um, this was uh, obviously a, uh, a special trip for me. Um, and I have to uh, uh, confess that I was a little nervous um, going. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you guys have different worlds in your life. Um, there are uh, people you work with. There are your immediate family. There are your close friends. And uh, this um, this this brought together uh, many different parts of my world. <laughs> close friends, my church family, and my actual family uh, all came to, uh, together to serve. Um, I often think about uh, the, uh, the events that led my family uh, to the United States. Uh, my grandfather opened uh, this uh, Macedonia church uh, in his den, um, and, um, and his kids served, and then, uh, and then their kids served. 
and, uh, and a few generations have gone by uh, where his great-grandchildren uh, are serving in that exact same church. Uh, he has since passed on. Um, but I think of uh, the fact that sometimes we uh, see the fruits of our uh, work uh, immediately, um, and sometimes we see it uh, many, many generations later. Um, there were 182 professions of faith uh, on this trip. And uh, yeah, praise God, praise God. So the, uh, so the question about whether we want to go back uh, was an easy one uh, for us. And, and uh, uh, we want to do this again. What it's going to look like, uh, only God knows. That's something that we ask. Uh, that you continue to pray for us uh, in, in the coming months uh, and, and into next year as we plan this and look what, uh, at, at, at what God has for us um, in, in the coming years. But uh, I bring to you the, uh, um, the thanks of uh, my family, uh, the congregations. Um, I don't know why I was nervous, uh, because in the end, we all uh, are the family of God. Uh, and it just made it that much easier for us uh, to serve him. One of our favorite things about um, worshiping uh, was, was the fact that uh, a lot of these songs that they would sing in Spanish are songs that we know. Uh, and so to have the opportunity uh, to sing alongside them in a different language, while it may have sounded jumbled or whatever, uh, was just a, an amazing reminder to us that uh, Spanish, English, Swahili, uh, whatever, God is God um, and, and can be worshipped in any. So we just wanted to give you a small taste uh, of what it was uh, to, to worship um, uh, in Guatemala. <laughs> 